Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to an episode of Watch This Immediately, the podcast where we have always endeavored to shatter the stone of ignorance and to bring forth the light of truth. Now let's get drunk and play ping pong. Nice. Who am I? I am one of your hosts. My name is Stephen Krauss. But who's that guy down at the end of the bar? The guy who is making aggressive eye contact and licking the edge of his margarita glass? Who's that guy? Manier here. Now you know. Today, we are talking about a very special episode, about a very special movie, and this movie is... Lean On Me. And you chose this one. I did. So why don't you take us through it? All right, so, you know, it's, uh, it's based on a true story about Joe Clark. He's the principal at uh, Fair East Side, as the uh, school song <laughs> that's eventually adopted goes. We're going to sing that at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah like you know it just shows how one man through sheer will and bullying is able to bring back a school from uh the brink of like being taken over by the state that is the message that really comes through in this movie is that bullying works yeah exactly and it's often the only way that you're gonna get anything done exactly and like so, so this, uh, so I'll, I'll give you a couple of couple of like background things here. Cool. So, um, I believe that the original um, publicity for this Joe Clark dude was uh, a Newsweek article, and he had the baseball bat and all that stuff. <laughs> and you know, it was just like a day in the life of East Side High, and yeah, you know, it was just really making him out to be like this. This, this great performer in education. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you know, then, of course, people in this country love bullies and people who are able to, like, get their way while being as, uh, as much of an emotional terrorist as possible. Again, it is how things get done in this country. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, like, not only did they make this movie, but Joe Clark wrote a book... And uh, can't remember what the name of the book is, but American asshole. <laughs> well, it was some. It was something like how to save our schools. It was. It was meant as a blueprint for others to follow. But based upon like some of the reviews and stuff I read online, it was something that the um, the right wing amongst this country were very enthusiastic about. I believe it because it does come across as kind of fascist. Yeah. Yeah. He gets results, but yeah. then that is how people usually talk about fascists. <laughs> exactly. He, he makes the trains run on time. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's it's like in Pakistan, you know, like uh, from 1947 until 2010, no democratically elected leader finished their term. Thanks. And so, yeah, you know, it's, the military would just be like, this democracy is... It's cute, but it's time for the for the big boys to come in and like take over for a nice. bit. Like, like we'll we will now take over the government for the next well, let's say fifteen to thirty years. 
Whichever comes first. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, like, it's the same sort of deal here. Like, the, like, Joe Clark is essentially a third world banana republic dictator brought in by, uh, I, I don't even know what that dude's name, like, Benson. I'm going to call him Benson. <laughs> Robert Guillaume is in this movie. Okay. You refer to him as Benson, I'll call him Rafiki. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. So, so Benson in the begin. So you know, let's let's just go back to the beginning of the movie, and I'm not gonna go like line by line, but I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna hit the high notes. Oh, I'm gonna go line by line for a minute here. <laughs> okay, please go ahead. <laughs> well, this movie is insane. Oh yeah, yeah, so insane. And it sustains that insanity for a remarkable amount of time for a docudrama. Yeah, docudramas are usually a pretty staid. Genre. No, 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 not and this one. I've seen many examples of the genre. This one breaks several molds. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the first roughly 10 minutes, batshit crazy. Exactly. You've got, you've got Benson in that 70s, like, flower power shirt and Morgan Freeman in a dashiki. The dashiki was the greatest. <laughs> and an Afro wig. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to live in that moment. <laughs> like, this is the school I wanted to go to as a kid, where Morgan Freeman, where Easy Reader from the Electric Company taught my class in a dashiki with an Afro. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, he was he was old Morgan Freeman. but And, and you know, this was the 80s, so they didn't have, like, CGI yet to make people look young. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen Coming to America 2? No. All right, so there's a part in Coming to America 2 where current day Arsenio and Eddie Murphy go back through like that, uh, you remember that scene when they're in the nightclub and these meet all the like weird women? Vaguely. It's slash been a long dudes. Time since I've seen Coming yeah, to well, they recreate that whole thing. It's not done very well, <laughs> but it does show you the technology has moved. Here... You've got Morgan Freeman's probably, what, 50 at the time? Probably. In a dashiki with an Afro wig being, uh, b- being touted as, like, this young firebrand teacher. It doesn't exactly work, but it does. It does. No, I'm, not, does. I'm not saying it does. It, it doesn't work, but it works on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. Um, and this was back in the time when, to say that something happened in a younger time, all you had to do was put people in an Afro wig and a dashiki. That's right. Or if they were white, you just had to show them in disco clothes doing a line of cocaine. <laughs> yes. Those were the two ways that you showed, well, a lot of time has gone by between then and now. Exactly. And then exactly. you fade into them being in a, you know, a suit and tie, yes. part of the establishment now. Right. Their youth is behind them. Their crazy revolutionary days when they were somehow going to save the world with their disco powers. Correct. It's all over. So, like, the movie starts when Morgan Freeman is wearing the Dachiki in 1967. Smash, you flash forward to 1987. And, you know, like, like when Morgan Freeman is leaving the school, looks nice. You know, it's, it's like any, any... Uh, middle-class American high school. Yeah. And in 1987, it's like, uh, it's, like, I've never seen The Warriors, but I feel like it's, it's New York from The Warriors inside. 
Having never seen that movie, you have accurately described it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I know the vibe. Yeah, I know it, the vibe. Yeah, it's 1980s New York. Yeah, and, you know, just, there's graffiti everywhere. Children are roaming the halls. Um, girls are having their t- shirts and bras pulled off of them in the bathroom. Absolute insanity. Yeah, and the, uh, th- there's a, a fight that breaks out between students and I'm guessing that white dude was the old principal or something. But you know the white dude who like gets his head smashed into the into the uh, was, floor over and over. Oh my god! I didn't even have that on here. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so he's he's taken away in a stretcher. And at that point, Benson's like, you know, Benson's is sitting in the mayor's office with the test scores, and he's like, look, um, I don't know what we're gonna do about this. And the mayor's like, I can't have this in an election year. And uh, Benson looks over at the mayor. The mayor looks back at him and he's like, oh, no, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> so apparently I think Benson has been advocating for Joe Clark to, like, show up and, and take over a school for probably a number of years now. He's been waiting to put up the bat signal Yeah, for Joe Clark. Yeah. Now we're going to have to back up. Oh, I'm Real so quick sorry. Here, because I have a few thoughts. Please. Um, as I said, the first roughly 10 minutes of this movie are insane. Yes. If you don't have time to watch the whole thing, at least watch the first 10 minutes. Your life will only get better. Yeah. Because, um, first of all, as you noted, we have that early shot of the idyllic school yeah. that then fades to urban hellhole. And... You can tell that this is a movie that no black people were involved with behind the scenes because the music that they use for this is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. Um, Here are some acts that also had albums out at the time. Public Enemy, Mm -hmm. Cool Modi, Mm -hmm. Slick Rick, Mm -hmm. and N.W. fucking A. Yeah, yeah, they were out. So any one of these, if you wanted to say, here is a largely non-white school that is going through some tough times, you could you could use those. But uh, I have a feeling they would have been too, quote-unquote, urban for the target audience of this movie. I wonder, could you have played Express Yourself instead of Welcome to the Jungle? <laughs> by Madonna? No, no, by NWA. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or would that have been too upbeat? Hmm. I was thinking, fuck the police, but... Uh, yeah, but I mean, we're the, there are no police here. I, I guess the authority it's figures of the attitude. police. Yes, correct. Okay, very good. But, uh, okay, so there's that. While all of this is going on, here are some things that I wrote down. Although, hold on. Let me let me backtrack a second here. Sure. In, in the song, the NWA song, the police are the villains. In this song, the police, i.e. authority, are decidedly the heroes. The black children are the enemies <laughs> and, and the villains of the movie for the most part. Well, you've put, up, you've put more thought into the music choices of this yes. than anyone involved in the movie. I believe so, yes. Um, <clears throat> all I know for sure is uh, we could have had more appropriate music in here. Yeah. Um, it did not have to be Welcome to the Jungle, but at this point, Welcome to the Jungle was already tipping over into the music of Suburban Dads. Correct. Where everyone felt this was safe rebellion. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the Jungle is like the born to be wild of this era. And so 
that just caught my attention. So some things I wrote down. Mm. 705, sweet acid, acid wash gray denim ensemble. Um, 720, even sweeter. Multi, uh, I'm sorry, even sweeter mullet mustache combo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it was so good. Oh, that, that, was, that was that guy, the kid, uh, kid Ray or whatever. Kid Ray, yep. Oh man. Okay. Well, let me let me hip you to something. I looked up Kid Ray because I was like, this guy has to have done something else. This was, I think, one of only three entries. No, no, I'm sorry. One of only I think two entries in his IMDb. He is now a medical device sales executive in the New York City area. <laughs> <laughs> That worked out better than I could have possibly imagined. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a solid family man now. I hope he still has that same ensemble. I mean, you know, he's older. He's still got, you can still tell it's him from the face. But, you know, he's, he's a sales guy. You know how they are. You're never too old for a mullet and mustache. Anyways, um, 917. No real lockers are big enough to hold a kid of that size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was it Sam's? Sam's, yeah. yeah. No, no. no one, no lockers are big enough to hold a kid like Sam's. No lockers are big enough to hold a grown adult. Oh no, no. Well, so I mean, these are way too big, and I, I, I understand. I mean, cinematic I'm license. But. I was doing heavy research during the movie. I could tell you about most of these characters. FYI. Okay. But I won't. We'll get to it. Moving on. Yeah, there was a savage beating that yeah. I was so. Just, I was numb to everything. I forgot to write the beating down here. Yes. And my notes end at 10.30. Holy shit, is that George Steinbrenner? It is not. But damn, Alan North looks like George Steinbrenner. He does, doesn't he? And you have, you're taken on such a wild ride for the first 10 minutes that it does not seem impossible that George Steinbrenner is the mayor in this movie. I could, I could see him, yeah. And was, was this Alan North character, was he in like laughing or anything? So, no, but he, he had that vibe, man. He was in Police Squad. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could see that. He is Frank Drebin's partner in Police Squad. All right, yeah, I could totally see that. All right, very good. So he does have uh, he does have comedic chops. Yeah, because he he looked almost like uh, like Joel McHale in that movie, The Informant, where Not he sure. was trying. Oh no, don't watch it. <laughs> but you know, there are all these like comedic actors who are trying to play it straight, hmm. and that's what I got from Alan North. I'm like. This guy has a face that is built for comedy. Yeah, definitely. And him being this mayor, this like put upon world weary, like white dude, didn't really suit. It didn't really make sense to me. He does seem a little bit out of place. Yeah, they could have. He does seem like he's about to make a joke at any given moment. Yeah, they should have gotten uh, what's his face, uh, J.T. Walsh or someone like that. <laughs> J.T. Walsh would have been perfect. Or or the dude from or the dude who played uh, the evil sensei and karate kid. He would have been good, too. Uh, John Kreese. I can't remember what his real name is. Yeah, no, but I mean, he's, always, he's John Kreese to everyone. That's true. Yeah. Even his wife calls him John Kreese now. Probably so. <laughs> no, we saw him at uh, Comic-Con last year. John Kreese? Yeah. Nice. He, dude is still keeping it tight. He's still hey, in man, good shape. I've, seen, I've, I've been watching Cobra Kai, man. He's, no, he's, he's got his karate on. He's doing it. So um, let's see here. Yeah, so Benson, you know, he gets the okay to go get Joe Clark. And uh, Joe Clark has been the principal of an elementary school, it appears. Or he's, he's got some sort of position at the elementary school. 
that uh, that one teacher who was kind of very she, she gave me Karen vibes. She was not very respectful, so maybe she maybe he was just a normal teacher. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't seem like he was in charge of anything. Right. It seemed like he was a punch the clock kind of guy. Exactly. The and fire had gone out. Exactly. Well, I mean it 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 was like a it was like a pilot light in the in the summertime. It was just, dimly burning. He but, was a blue flame of a man. Correct, correct, correct. I see, I see. And so, yeah, like, he comes back and shows up at East Side High, and that's when the fun begins. And that's where we learn that somebody in this movie is named Reverend Slappy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is never brought up again. Yo, so here's the thing, right? Like, later on, um, there is a maintenance guy in the movie who is not Reverend Slappy. Because, like, it, it's later on. Like, when him and the vice principal are fighting, there's a maintenance dude there. And I'm like, wait a second. So we know he got enough money, or he somehow acquired a paramilitary force of mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> they, looked like, they looked like they were all from the Nation of Islam or something. <laughs> and so, Mr. Wright, or whatever his name was, and, like... Played by Tony Todd, who was born yeah. looking forbidding. Yes, exactly. One of the earliest Tony Todd roles I can think yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, who's paying this security force? Exactly. Like, I don't, I, it was not clear to me. Because if the school had money, then it wouldn't be the way it is. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and so, anyways, I, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe a Reverend Slappy, like, they got rid of him at some point. They were like... Look, we got to pay the mercenaries. Like, yeah. you know, you, custodial duties will not be necessary. You're, you're like really, you're, you've been here for twenty years, so you're kind of like in a pay grade we can't really afford at the moment. You currently make three hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. <laughs> we just cannot afford. It's you. Like, you have four months of paid vacation. You know, we kind of like need to clean this place up. Your union contract is insane. <laughs> it's like you need to go back to your block. <laughs> <laughs> this man's name actually is Slappy, and I, yeah. I'm just going to guess that he was an actual guy at that school. I would imagine so, yes. He, he had to be. Maybe it was just like, you know, we, we have to have some real people from the school in the movie making cameos, whatever. Yeah, and a lot of people up here are supposedly from that yeah, actual school. I can see that. Uh, but that's just so strange to me that just out of nowhere, Reverend Slappy. Yeah. Never brought up again. No. And, and as I said... And I had to stop and check, because I, I said to myself, did he just say Reverend Slappy? Yeah. Well, and, and, and he is, as I said, th- this all happens. Like, he refers to Reverend Slappy in his initial meeting with the teachers. Mm-hmm. Goes in, and this is where, like, the emotional terrorism starts. <laughs> <laughs> because goes into, he goes into the room, and... You know, the teacher, like the that uh, main teacher who kind of looks like uh, Alex Karras, but fatter. Yeah. He uh, He's like, yeah, you know, we've got some committees and we're thinking of putting together a blue ribbon task force to study why the school is so terrible. And, <laughs> and Joe Clark is like, yeah, you can sit down now. And the teacher's like, oh, what? <laughs> and, and that's when he starts screaming that Joe Clark is the only person who talks at his meetings. And you stop flapping their mouths and start taking notes. <laughs> These are all things, everything that Joe Clark does in this movie 
is the sort of thing that you kind of think to yourself when you're daydreaming at work about how much your job sucks, that yes. if you were in charge for a day, you would do this. That's exactly why I love this movie. It's like the Fraggle Rock episode where you get to, like, there's the ruler of the rock. For one day, you get to decide everything that happens. This is the nightmare version of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joe. Joe Clark was made ruler of the rock. and He, he was allowed to make seven rules for the betterment of all. I mean, Morgan Freeman, man, he is at the top of his vocal range here. Oh, Jesus. He is making a meal out of every scene in yeah, this cause, movie. Because remember, like, when he starts screaming, it's like, he's like, they can't pass a test of basic skills. That means they can barely read. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> I just... I wonder, did, did he have to have multiple takes to get up into those registers? Were there more subdued takes? Were they just ultimately took take 10 of every single I've, scene? I don't know, man. I think I think they had to play... Like, I don't think Joe Clark was quite this bad, but they had to, they had to play it up. That's true. But, goddamn, every single take in this movie, every single scene feels like they're like, okay, now just do one for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and we get the fun take in every one. <laughs> it's his version, his version of inspirational teaching. <laughs> oh, God. When he, he comes in, right, he, he, holds, he, he tells the teachers at the meeting, at the end of the meeting, give me all the, all the drug dealers, low lives, and, you know, drug users and everybody. I want a list. And then you see, like, this, this, this wild school assembly where there are these rafters and there's all these this crazy-ass kids. A couple of them start, like, a rap cipher in the middle. And they're like, well, you know... I mean, the, the rap was trash, but, you know, they tried. It was 1989. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Joe Clark comes in. And so here's the thing. These kids have apparently been terrorizing the school and, and running things for, like, I don't know, 20 years, I guess. Or, you know, some, their ancestors and themselves. Yes. And he is he is able to, with, like, what, seven mercenaries, <laughs> evict 200 or three, 250 or 300 terrible children. To be fair, 175 of those were just done by Tony Todd. Yeah, true, true. Okay. He's a scary, scary man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he, he and he took, he took away that one dude, the, the one who comes back later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Denim Man. Yes, correct. The man with the sweet denim suit. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, Joe Clark was, like, jealous of his swag. And he was like, you know, um, Morgan Freeman basically was like, look, you've got to bring that guy back. I, I, I can't have him upstaging me in my own movie. You know, we, we need to just have a scene where I, I beat him up. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, if you're Morgan Freeman, you can't do that in Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, no. You can't be like, I'm going to beat up Jessica Tandy in one scene. <laughs> Hell no. He's like, i got to get all my aggression out here. Yeah. Because Hume Cronin would, would be coming for him oh, after that. Yeah. And that's the end. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, kicks out all the kids. Um, the remaining kids are, like, shell-shocked. And, and, you know, he's already told Reverend Slappy, like, look, you gotta, you got to, you know, get all the graffiti down. we got to get this place looking good. So um, yeah, and we barely ever see Reverend Slappy again. So he's well, on that. We never see him. Yeah, like as I said, I don't know. Like, Presumably, he is still scrubbing his way. Yeah, like he's probably in Canada by now. He's 
they, they've they've basically gotten like uh, like like youth pastor slappy in, <laughs> and a couple of his friends to like replace the reverend because they're like, look, Tony Todd costs too much money. Like, we we need a clean school, but we kind of need order more. Yeah. So. Can- can we have Deacon Slappy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Reverend Slappy is too rich for our budget. But uh, but yeah, like the the inspirational point in this movie is Sam's comes in the next morning, right? Because mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, he shows up early every day. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Does Sam show up before or after the, the, the teacher's, uh, sorry, the parents' meeting? I think after the parents' meeting, because the yes. parents' meeting comes very soon, if not immediately You're after. You're right. Same day, they have the parents' meeting. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. And, uh, yeah, like, the vice principal is like, yeah, you know, you guys should be happy that he's taking his time out to talk to you. And please, tell me what the scene is. I have no... <laughs> No notes on this. Well, you know, because so, I was blown away by the thought that Joe was going to throw a kid off a roof in the next scene. So well, I forgot all about what yeah, well, in the parents' meeting. I mean, come on, man. We're trying to bury the lead here. I mean, we are introduced to the Karen. Yes. Of this thing, the villain who is played by the chief from Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. Really? Yes. Interesting. And she's done many other things, but that, yeah, when yeah. I saw her, I was like, I know this woman from somewhere. I, I have seen her in things as well. Because she's a she's a that gal, okay. Um, but like her big cultural impact that she has for a lot of people our age and younger is that she was the chief on Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego. I can so, dig that. Okay. Even though I don't recall ever watching the full episode, I remember coming across it like you know flipping to Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs. Ah, yes. Because yes. I did not want any intelligent. Uh, television viewing after I was done with my education for the day. Oh, and uh, so I saw the chief. How you were, how 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 you were fooled because, Tiny Toons and Animaniacs—they had tons of educational stuff. I recognize that now, but at the time I was just entertained. Correct. But now I'm so brilliant. Yeah, you know you know all of the capitals now. I do not. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that song. I still think of whenever I hear. North Dakota, I think of Homer Simpson saying Hitler <laughs> and Marge saying Hitler, North Dakota. <laughs> so those are the things that have overtaken what used to be intelligent areas in my brain. Okay. Okay. Legit. But yeah, the Karen, she's introduced. And then, of course, as you, as you mentioned, the next morning, Sam's comes and Morgan, and, sorry, Joe Clark yells at him a little bit and then takes him up to the uh, roof because... So Sam's is like, okay, he's a freshman in high school. So what is that, like 13? Uh, he'd be like 14. He'd be ninth grade. Okay. 14, 15. I was 13 in ninth grade, but that's me. I might have been too. I don't remember. But like, yeah, so, okay, he's 14, let's say. Yeah. And um, he's, he's been smoking crack. And, and I think Joe Clark was told about this. And so, yeah, he tells Sam's like, jump off the roof. Just do it. I think we need to take time to appreciate some of the great lines in this movie. Okay, please. One of which is spoken in this scene, which is, if you want to kill yourself, don't fuck around with it. Do it expeditiously. Yes. <laughs> Top-notch line. And he's got, he's, got that, he's got that kind of southern twang when he says expeditiously. Mm-hmm. It's pretty solid, man. It's Morgan Freeman. I, yeah. I'm sure he gets asked to recite many lines. Yeah. 
Um, and the probably, sadly, the one that he gets asked about from this one is they used to call me Crazy Jill. Well, now they can call me Batman. Yeah, that, that was not as good as this one. But if I were to run into Morgan Freeman, I yeah. would fanboy about it. And I would be like, could you please say if you want to kill yourself, don't fuck around with it. Do it expeditiously. Yeah, exactly. And he would probably say, please go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to eat here. <laughs> I feel like he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, but a man can only be asked to put up with so much. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's retired now. People are, if you're in Morgan Freeman, everyone's in your face all day. Okay, fair. Because you're a goddamn national treasure. Fair. All right. That makes sense. So, I would understand if I was unable to control myself, and I went up and asked him to repeat this line, and he just said, please leave. Yes. If he's been polite to me, he has done way more than I have done to him because I just ran up to him and asked him to repeat a vulgar line. Yeah. I would just want him to say expeditiously again. He does get a lot of good expeditiously. Yes. Yeah, and I, I feel like so I don't can. use the term expeditiously enough. No, no, no. After no. watching this movie. I wonder if there was like an uptick for, I don't know, a few years after this of the word expeditiously. I would hope so. There had to have been. If there's any justice in the world. So, yeah, I was afraid he was going to throw this kid off the roof. <laughs> I'd already seen it before, so I knew that I knew that there was no throwing anyone off the roof. Think back to the first time you saw it. You didn't know the runtime. For all you knew, this was a 20-minute movie where a guy throws a kid off a roof. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I actually had recently come to this country at, at that stage. So, yeah. Yeah, so you didn't know how American narrative worked? No, I really didn't. <laughs> I, was only, I was only used to Bollywood. It just ended with this guy throwing a kid off a roof, him exploding like a bag full of guts. Credits roll. Ugh. God, Sam's, why'd you have to do it? <laughs> well. He wanted to be expeditious. Yeah, and Sam's is the avatar for the, for, for the, the resurgence in East, and at East Side. He's the kid on which we pin all of our hopes. Yeah, and well, and, and, and he's also the target of Joe Clark's abuse. <laughs> That's the only way he knows how to love. Exactly. Well, no, Kanisha. He's really nice to Kanisha. Because that's the only way he knows how to show love to boys. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair. But 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 he's... Okay, so the part that I loved was when he's inside the... He's inside the um, uh, lunchroom mm-hmm. with his bullhorn. And he says... He brings up Sam's and Sam's cousin and, like, they're friends. And uh, Sam's is just, like... I mean, he basically looks like a hobo. And and Morgan Freeman in the bullhorn says, look at this slop, or sloppy, slovenly boy. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, that's so good. <laughs> or no, I think he said slovenly, sloppy boy. <laughs> Do not dress like this in the morning. <laughs> and and so, so this, this is what leads to Sam's later on um, wearing untucked button-downs almost exclusively. Because he didn't want to get abused anymore. Yeah. He takes all sorts of things from Joe in this movie. There is a scene later. I don't know if we want to jump too far ahead. Oh, no, no, please. There is a scene later where he and his friends are singing in the bathroom. Yes, correct. And Joe Clark comes in and stops them all. And then after they sing a little bit, he leads them over to the choir room where rehearsal is going on. right. Morgan Freeman slams Sam's into the doorframe, pushing him in to the choir room. And as he does that, I had to go back and rewatch it 
Because that first of all, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> he slams him right into the door frame. Of course. And the choir director looks away from the camera and makes a little noise. I don't think that that was supposed to happen. I think the kid actually got slammed into the door frame unintentionally, <laughs> and she was laughing at it. Wow. I mean, because yeah, that's that's mean, but it looked like it hurt. So I rewatched it a couple of times, and when I was rewatching it, I noticed she's like she makes a little noise and cheats away from the camera. <laughs> so I don't think I'm that gonna was, have to watch this. I watched. I, I I looked up IMDb to see if they had anything to say about it, but it was yeah. not mentioned. Um, but I think it was unintentional. This is how conspiracy but theories start, man. This guy gets a lot of abuse. Yeah, well, I mean, he's one of the few. Because Joe Clark, you know, he's he's unhappy that the original choir teacher is not willing to bend to his his will. Hmm. Because yeah, he's got this unnatural fascination with the school song, and and so the school song is almost like like uh, you know when when a fascist leader, to your point, would make someone dick like you know recite the national anthem on command, mm-hmm. and that's what Joe Clark wants. Everybody needs to know the school song. Everyone. For the record, I would like to be able to just stop somebody on a dime and be like, sing a song for me. Yeah. But I want to be able to just have it be weird songs. Right. I just want, like, Sing Love's a Deadly Weapon by Kiss. Yes, yes, correct. And do like all of the weird guttural groans and everything. <laughs> so they have to start out like, ooh, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so, you know, we've... Well, Joe Clark... And his whirlwind of abuse bring immediate results. Yes. Because within like a couple of scenes, um, everything is like, there's no more graffiti. Everything's painted up. Um, they've got banners hanging up. Um, they even have like a, a, a chill pad area where, I don't know, it's been donated by somebody. And this is the danger because when you introduce a little bit of order to chaos... This is where people tend to be like, wow, the guy really gets results. Yeah. And then they give him enough rope to hang himself. We don't get that far because the movie just thankfully stops before we get that far. But I'm sure if I were to look too far into the story of Joe Clark, he did get enough rope and he did hang himself. I, I haven't looked into his post East Side career, but like, you know, besides the book, I read a little bit about his book, but. I don't know. I, I think um, I'll have to see, but I feel like he might have been the principal for a little while. I'm sure, but this is a classic. This has all the makings of die a hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Well, I am I sure mean, he ju- lived long enough to see himself become the villain because oh, I did look he, up when he died, and he died like last year or two years ago. He was he was the villain in the middle of the movie. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he was not... He didn't have to die for that to happen. He didn't have but, to... He, he, he lived long enough to see himself become the villain. Yeah. I mean, just... The success that he gets here comes partially from introducing some order to chaos. Yes. And once you do that, people will tend to overlook the fascist ways by which you have achieve that and they'll say you know what do everything do you know take this as far as you can take it and they will take it off a cliff you know what they needed to do like that suit that he wore man he should have had like a sash 
And like those brush epaulets, like a third world dictator <laughs> with like tons of medals. That's every, first of all, every principal should have that. Yeah. Every principal should dress up like Manuel Noriega. Y- yes, correct. Then, you know, have the hat and everything and, and, and have everyone call him uh, Generalissimo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to mention, I forgot exactly where it occurs. I just wrote down in my notes, all time desk flip. Yes. All time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, there's uh, there's friction with the teachers, including with Mr. Darnell, the, the black football coach. So when, when Joe Clark gets to East Side, Darnell is the head football coach. But because the team is terrible, he's demoted. And a white dude is put in charge. And, and this is brought up at the parents' meeting. They're unhappy about this whole thing. But, but the reason that Darnell flips the table is because while Joe Clark is yelling at someone <laughs> to sing the school song, uh, Mr. Darnell picks up a piece of trash from the floor to throw away later. Right. And yeah, like he's unha- and you know, he's, he's very unhappy that he's been demoted. He's done everything Joe Clark has, has, you know, told him to do. And now he's been humiliated again. And so that's it. And Joe Clark tries to fire, um, fire Mr. Darnell, but, uh, it doesn't take, he's forced to bring Mr. Darnell back early. And and he's told that by Benson. I yeah, think. Rafiki makes him bring him back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so so the the turning points or kind of the the um, the acts in this movie are punctuated by the taking of the tests, and so they they take you know their practice test. Um, I think the previous year they said it's like thirty eight percent pass rate. And, you know, Joe Clark, he's made all these changes. You know, he's painted up the school. Beating up Sam's. Yeah. Well, now the, 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 the results come back 33%. It's not good. Not good at all. These kids didn't know what they could do. Mm-mm. Like you said, they were shell-shocked. Yeah. And, and so at this point, uh, it's time for Joe Clark to go into overdrive. You know, he, he basically goes in and he's like, uh, he's being inspirational. Like, you know, Kanisha comes to him and says, yeah, my mom doesn't want me around anymore. <laughs> okay, this, this whole sequence. Yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> I was on board with almost everything else that was happening in this movie. If not from a some of this kind of happened in real life standpoint, then from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah. This movie rarely ceases to be entertaining. Correct. This part? <laughs> real bummer. Real bummer. Very much a bummer. Very... Saturday or after school special yeah. uh, dialogue. This woman crying about how it's not that she doesn't want her daughter anymore. It's because she can't stand her daughter seeing what she's become. Correct. And, you know, like she used to be a very involved parent. Mm-hmm. But, but then she started using the crack. She wanted to have a life for herself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a life she had. Correct. Correct. It destroyed her. Yeah. She lived, that crack rock. She, lived fa- she lived fast, man. Live fast, used to you die burn out young. quick. Yeah. Now, it, it looks to me, <laughs> it looks to me like they had recently acquired this apartment. Yeah, that was a very nice apartment for somebody who was not doing well. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit, there was a little bit of clutter, but overall it was a pretty solid place. Yeah, they, they uglied up a nice apartment. Yeah. That was a really nice apartment. <laughs> they, you know, or if they 
if they constructed the set, they did not consult somebody on how we can age up this set. Yeah, because I, I feel like there would have been, it would have just been cinder blocks. Yeah, it would have been cinder block shelves because you would have sold all the yeah. shelving units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have sold the TV, any appliances. Oh, snap. They, they should have had uh, uh, the, the, the guy who, who told them what to make uh, Dookie's house look like in the wire. They should have had that guy consult on this house. It was a little early, but uh, we're well, putting the cart before, before the horse then. All right, sorry. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. You are right. Um, yeah, so <laughs> everything else in this movie I'm, I'm pretty much on board with from entertainment, uh, for entertainment value. But, uh, but, you know. This one scene was uh, just saying. rolling my eyes. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm just but saying. you've got to have this movie... You have to have that scene in there, and you you have to have it in there, frankly, for the white folk. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this, if you want to, if you had any questions about the racial pedigree of this movie, it was directed by the director of Rocky, The Karate Kid, The Karate Kid Part Two, wow. and Rocky Five. So much diversity. So yes. <laughs> so this is. A straight down the middle. No, no, this, this, this is essentially a sports movie. This guy, this guy knows how to deal with diverse cultures. Uh, yes. that's why he was brought in for this assignment. He knows how to deal with everything from boxing to karate, from people, everything in between. The Japanese, the Russians, now did, the black he folks. Not, he did not direct Rocky Four. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry Cannot sorry. be. Wait, was Rocky Five Tommy Morrison? Yes. Okay, well, I mean, fine. He was he wasn't like an American animal. I mean, Tommy Morrison was pretty wild. Anyways, we uh, we once again like like now it just goes into overdrive on the testing. Everything is now geared towards the test, mm-hmm. you know. And so they've they've got the banners. They've got like uh, Take no prisoners exactly. And 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 the Reverend Slappy replacement. He's in charge of changing the 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 countdown. Um, like uh, not a timer, but you know like. Like the numbers. The tote board, yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I saw the the the, se- the successor of Slappy. <laughs> like they could only afford Slappy for one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they used the whole goddamn song as motivation. Yeah, man. This movie was nearly two hours long. Exactly. There was no... Padding was not needed. No. <laughs> we did not have to have five minutes of people singing Lean on Me. Oh, you know, I mean, it was so inspirational. It was not. <laughs> it was not inspirational. The first <coughs> 90 seconds yeah. would have been great. Yeah. First 90 seconds, I was like, okay, yeah, this is nice. This is cool. We can move on now. No. Nope. We will not. We're going to sing several choruses, and then we're going to play the Club Nouveau <laughs> version. Exactly. We're taking the test immediately <laughs> afterward. There are many baffling choices here. I have a question. Go. They institute a free reading tutorship program on okay. weekends. Okay. Do you think the security force is teaching in that? Um. Well, no. He was he was asking the teachers to come in and do that on their on the side. Right. But I like I think the security force was there. I just think it would be funny to have, like, in addition to all of the teachers coming in on their free time, got the security guys. Oh, no, they're like Blackwater, man. They're around all the time. 
but also like teaching the kids. Yeah, well, I mean, so like while beating up a drug dealer, right? Like he's like Blackwater. It's like he got like a Dr. Seuss book. Exactly. He's like Horton. Here's a who, and then the guys who, like, motherfucker who? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so yeah, I mean you know they've got they've got the programs going. They've they've got the chill pad you know built up and. And Morgan Freeman, he's uh, he's played hopscotch with people at the g- in the gym. You gain respect with Double Dutch. Yes, actually, this movie goes. This Correct. movie is a. Uh, it displays the truism that you can start out hard and you can soften up. Yes, correct. You cannot do it the other way. No, no, no. Because he he gets softer. Yeah. Because he's yelled at by the vice principal, mm-hmm. and at the uh, assembly where they sing "Lean on, on me," she's like Joe Clark has been asked for a transfer for her. He gives her the transfer paperwork. And while he's up there, he's like, listen, um, I uh, was told by a good friend that sometimes we need to appreciate everybody. And, and this is enough to overcome months of severe emotional abuse. <laughs> And just get that one moment of softness. Yeah. And just just being berated 24 seven because, yeah, remember like, um, so, okay, here's, here's a, here's, here's kind of a paradox, right? Mm -hmm. He is, he has basically said, I am the, I'm the law here. Yeah. I'm the only one who makes decisions. A very judge dread moment. Yeah. Yeah. But you remember like, there's that part where, where he's being pulled in like different directions. Like the students have come to him for advice um, you know, he's got like these parents or no, sorry. He's got that lawyer with him. The one who tells him like, yeah, you know, um, they're, they're going to try to get rid of you like right after the, the test. Mm-hmm. And, and then when the vice principal comes out of the office, she's like, hey, Joe Clark, uh, I'm going to need your, your okay on something. And then he yells at her for like not making a decision yep. when he's made it clear that he's the only, he's the law of the land. Micromanagers, man. That's what they're all about. That was unfair. It was I didn't unfair. like that. But... He, is, he has an indirect moment of kindness that he could say is about anyone later. Yeah. Um, but it's clearly directed to her. And she takes the letter. The crumples transfer, it up. Crumples it up, throws it in the trash. Yeah. Which is good because I personally believe that if she opened it up, it would just say, girl, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he was counting on that speech. Correct. But if the speech didn't work, he'd be like, no, you're stuck here. No, he he knew he knew what he was doing. He knew she, okay. he knew this, he this had. This man is a classic manipulator. Oh. <laughs> this man is a fucking sociopath. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> this man has no emotions. No, he's he's well. I mean, he he's he's good with the kids. You know, he's he's no. really cool with Kanisha. You know how you're good with kids? Manipulation. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. not necessarily you're right, you're mean right. that you have any emotion. Right now, in a side note, Kanisha does get pregnant. Yes. By uh, by that nerd who, I think it was that nerd who like was introducing the chill pad. Was it the yeah? Well, no. There were like two guy. There were two guys. Yeah. The guy who was introducing the chill pad was like handsome young man. Okay, I, I could swear I had seen in a Wait, million other things. Was it? But was it the? Was there another dude who was like making fun of Joe Clark in the gym? I'm unclear. Okay, yeah, me too. Me too. See, I thought because they were the same person. I could swear there were multiple characters that were played by this one guy. Okay. Because I was like, they can't just be using this one guy for everything that involves a young black man. 
But it seemed like they were. For yeah. everyone who was not Sam's, it was this other guy. And I thought he was playing other characters. Correct. But I don't know. Correct. There were casting problems <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, you know, if you if you have to use, like, the uh, in-school talent, uh, you're going to have to cut corners. Yeah, but you don't have to use in-school talent. Actors were paid on this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And well, for, uh, yeah. for somebody who was shouldering a lot of the role, or a lot of the movie, because this guy shows up a lot, you could get another actor. You could get a... a, a you don't have to go Denzel Washington, but you could have gotten another New York actor at the time. So okay. I'm just not clear my if this thought, guy was playing only one role or if he was playing multiple roles and they thought no one's no, going to no. know. Here's my thing. Twins. There was more than one person who looked the same. That's what I'm thinking. That's, that's what my theory is now. Another possible theory is that we're just racist and we just think that these multiple men <laughs> were all the same guy. Okay. I, I think I think so the two most, we'll have to watch it again. The the two most likely scenarios. Yeah. Racism and twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well now those are the only two possibilities. The other big thing that's happened is uh, uh Joe Clark, you know, in order to keep order at the school, has decided that after the first bell rings in the morning, all doors are to be locked. Because somebody let in so, so I, I feel like Joe Clark maybe like uh, baited, like like he he said he set a trap to bring that guy with the denim suit back. He put out the word that he wanted to buy fifteen cracks. That's right. <laughs> and so this guy comes in. Well, so he's beating up Kid Ray, mm-hmm. and and then you know he tries to he he tries to like uh, knife Joe Clark, and Joe Clark's like it's like whatever, man. I was in Vietnam. I know some kung fu. <laughs> And so, yeah, he he beats up denim suit the guy, and and that's the last I think we see of denim suit guy. Unfortunately, yeah, he moved on to territory that he doesn't have to defend so aggressively. Right. Um, also, you know, Kid Ray was no longer there, so Kid Ray seemed to be his way maybe, in. Maybe he was like uh, uh, from the, from the Wire, Ronnie Mo, his his older brother. I don't remember. You know, Ronnie Moe, he was, he was... Oh, okay, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, enough okay. enough wire talk. Um, so, yeah, like, just, just to, you know, kind of bring it down to the down to the wire here. Um, we see, like, okay, there's... They're taking this test, and... Sorry, go ahead. It should be noted, right after this fight, children applaud... Violation of the fire codes. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> As they are locked inside yeah. a building with no way out if it should catch fire. Exactly. They cheer for this. Yeah, I mean, they're they're afraid. Human beings do not always know what is in their best interests. <laughs> um, I think that's been made abundantly clear since 2016. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So let's see here. Oh. We uh, we haven't taken the test, and during the test or right after the test, Black Karen has been putting pressure on the fire chief to bust Joe Clark. Mm. So Joe Clark, you know, he's he he then says, you know, the the union lawyer, whoever, like the mayor's like general counsel, comes to Joe Clark and says, "Hey man, um, they're they're going to try to like frame you." And so Joe Clark is like, "Okay, fine, we'll set up a system." You know, if you see any fire fire personnel, just radio over and like 
everybody will go to, go to your stations and unlock the doors. Not able to do this in time. So as a result, Joe Clark gets sent to jail. Where apparently no one bails him out. No. no. <laughs> the charge is conspiracy to violate the fire code. Yeah. And he can't make bond on that. He's no. just hanging out in a cell. It's, 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 it's kind of like, I wouldn't have been surprised if at this point they'd, they'd been like, this is where Joe Clark wrote letters from a Birmingham jail. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, Wait, I think Martin Luther King Jr. It was Joe Clark who wrote that, okay? Yeah, I think in real life they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to give you your own cell. Right. They're going to stick you in a tank. Yeah. While you call a bail bondsman. <laughs> and you're not going to... Rafiki probably would have had a bail bondsman on the way. I mean, look, there is no way that the bed is comfortable enough that you can just, like, leisurely, like, lie down there while, you know, the your enemies come and, like, beg you to, like, get rid of all these children. <laughs> and I, I'm unclear as to how this city is structured <laughs> because the jail is apparently also right next to wherever we're having the school board meeting. Yeah. There, it's a very classically designed city <laughs> where we have everything exactly. that we might need for the citizenry right in the city center. Exactly. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't, As we know New York to be. I do not see this many people being moved that quickly. Um, because, yeah, there was like, what, 2,600 kids? There were a lot. The big mess of kids. And so, yeah, Black Karen, you know, she's got the bullhorn. And she's saying to everybody, look, Joe Clark's the worst. You know, you, you know I'm helping you. And, and, you know, Sam's has some choice words for her. And, uh, you know, she's, she feels like she's right. Yeah. And finally... Joe Clark is released because he's begged by people to like, okay, look, you got to tell these kids to go home. Mm-hmm. We'll release you. Fine, whatever. Goes over. He calmly takes the bullhorn from the Karen and, and it's like, hey, children, leave. And I think he like makes fun of like the situation a little bit. The Karen's unhappy. She leaves. <laughs> and uh, that's essentially the end of the movie because, yeah, he just, it, it just ends. Out. Yeah, it just ends. It's just like, he just looks around. He's laughing. It's it's one of those classic '80s movie um, movie endings where, in the middle of the action shot, they just like stop. It was just short of a freeze frame. Yes, yeah. freeze frame. Yes, correct. Yeah, that is the only the only trick that they missed is they should have just made it a freeze frame at the end. But yeah, for how entertaining and how off the rails this movie is at times, it's kind of weird to me that in the end it's just like oh. Um, now we're done. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, uh, he he just told all the kids to go home. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And then nothing bad happened. That's right. There were no repercussions from anything that occurred. No, no. All righty, so I think that is Lean On Me. Yeah. Incidentally, Morgan Freeman had a good 1989. He had Lean On Me, Driving Miss Daisy, and Glory. Oh, yeah, Glory was good. Okay, okay. Three, three boss movies. Yeah. So Morgan Freeman was doing well for himself in 1989. He had arrived. I believe you had a, a segment of sorts. Um, something I wanted to bring up earlier, and I probably should have brought it up in the moment, a little something I call First Draft Theater. Okay. And there were some lines in here 
that were fantastic that we've already covered. Yes. Um, incidentally, another one of the great lines in this was, I don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. Yes, yes, correct. So. Because he um, says that in the jail. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Which is just a baller line. So baller. But in order to scale such great heights, a writer is also going to have to just kind of fuck off on occasion. Fair. I'm going to write some things that you're just going to have to come back to and fix later. In this case, we have the mayor saying to Rafiki, I know you like a book. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not good. No. It's not a good line. No one says that. We know what you're trying to say. Yeah. You didn't make it there. (sighs) So I would like to believe that maybe they had another draft that they were working on and they were just on a schedule. They're like, we can't get to it, man. But that left us with, I know you like a book. So yeah. If you think it's not a good, or if you think it's a good line, I encourage you try it out on people. I, I think that this was maybe like uh, what's his face, Alan North being whimsical. It's possible. It's also possible that he just fucked up, and they were like, "That's the best take we got." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who can say? It's like, you know what? If I had to uh, fantasy cast this movie, mm. the only one I would change is I would trade out Alan North. For Rene Abergenois, who played Clayton Endicott III in Benson. Interesting. Have him be the mayor. All right, all right. These two with history of bickering back and forth at each other would have added a whole new Yes, dynamic. correct. Also, Rene Abergenois, even though he got, he worked constantly. He probably had like 300 credits on IMDb. Okay. There's still never enough of him. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's just some of those guys. I see him show up. There's just some of those guys, you know? But no, fantastic. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy that very much. Now, the moment of truth. What do you think of this movie? This movie was entertaining from front to back. Yes. And it is still relevant. Now, sadly, we have not answered any of the questions posed by this movie in the last 30 years 30 plus because we're 32 just, years yeah. or 33 years now depressing because we're so embroiled in a culture war that we never seem to get anything done in this nation yeah um, but it was entertaining from pretty much start to finish and <clears throat> I'm kind of sorry I didn't see it before uh, this is in my opinion, a cultural touchstone. Hard agree. So inspirational. So many, like, I think this movie shaped education policy. <laughs> that's definitely, that's believable. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like there were a lot of Joe Clark wannabes, at least in my schools. I don't know if there were when I was there. But I could definitely see there being reverberations. Yeah. Because I graduated high school in 95. So I could see this definitely being an inspiration to people who were studying to become teachers. Correct. Around that time. And then it would be interesting to talk with people. I know some teachers. Maybe I should ask about it. Yeah, yeah, um, To see if those things kind of filtered in um, in the following years, like in the late 90s, early 2000s. I could definitely see that happening, especially, like, post-2001. Could see it. 
Yeah, we, as, we became a lot more fascist then. A lot more authoritarian, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but, oh yeah, this is definitely a cultural touchstone. Fantastic. So, so we've, what have we done so far? What cultural touchstones have we got? We, we've, we've gotten uh, Airplane. Airplane. And Lean on Me. So those two very different cultural touchstones. Yes. And News Radio was our first Atari Lynx. Yes, correct. Atari Lynx, nice. Have we done, we've done, a, did we do one other? Have we only done these three? I believe so. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, you know, we, we've, well, hold on. So let's think here. We did News Radio. Oh, no, we did Lost. Lost. Lost was regrettable dalliance. Mm. Yeah. So we've we've hit all three major things, and we've got two cultural touchstones already. Correct. Fantastic. You're welcome, America. Fantastic. So uh, what what, uh, what what's next? I know we made a list. Yes. Of at least some movies. We need to actually sit down and, and plan out a list of things that we want to pick from for this. Okay. Because I, we might be going too far too soon. I don't want to use all the A material, but I am going to make it incumbent upon you to watch Goldfinger. Okay. Interesting. All right. All it's right. time. You're of an age. You've started to notice women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've started to question what it might be like to eat red meat. They're around, yeah. And have martinis. Yes, correct. And it's important that you learn about these things from a trusted source. <laughs> I don't want you picking it up on the street. I don't want you walking up to one of those guys like, hey, kid, you want to spy? <laughs> so I want you to watch this in a safe environment. Okay. So if you have any questions, you can come to me. Okay, I will. I will. All right. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I'm doing it. Sean Connery, Honor Blackman, Gert Freude. Yes. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Peace. (laughs) Watch this immediately.